What's up, everybody? And on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we touch on the NCAA tournament. We talk about uh, UConn's dominance in women's basketball. We're touching on the OBJ situation with the possible trade or no trade from the Giants. And also giving a shout out to MLB Baseball for the upcoming season. Please turn in because you'll definitely be uh, enjoying what you might be hearing. another episode of Guys Talking Sports. This is your boy, Big A. I'd like to welcome you guys this week uh, to a very interesting uh, episode that we'll be having tonight. Fellas, I got my man Al, I got my man Earl. How y'all guys doing? Doing lovely as always. I'm doing good. Um, I left my water downstairs, so I'm kind of upset about that. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, well, you know, have... Have somebody kind of, you know, some of your backstage help bring it up to you uh, so you can stay hydrated and fresh. I may have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> some <of> the help. <laughs> All right, fellas. Let's just jump right back into this. Uh, briefly, let's talk about what we had in these uh, our tournament brackets uh, challenge that we had with one another and how all of our brackets are pretty much screwed. Um, as it stands right now, myself and Earl are in the lead with 550 points, and Al is bringing up the rail with 430, but unfortunately, none of us have a, a dog in this fight as far as who we predicted to win uh, the NCAA championship. So just based off of everything you've seen over the course of the tournament, uh, like I Really can't say there weren't uh, enough shockers or enough upsets. Uh, just briefly, your take on the overall tournament. Who do you think is going to win? I, I'm a, I guess I will go first since I'm the last um, on this bracket. I mean, on this um, thing. I I'm gonna say this <clears throat> because as much as I hear the people doing the radio, I mean, like sports personalities on the radio talking about the NCAA tournament. Me personally, I love where this is right now because it's so unpredictable. And I said this last week. Um, it's one of the things that I like about it because <clears throat> no, not too many number one teams is remaining. Um, I also love the fact that it brings the excitement that kind of was lacking when you have nothing but powerhouses there um, because now people are going to start to see want to see not just the playing games, but also the first round. Um, instead of just waiting for the Elite Eight and the Final Fours and the National Championships now, because of the balance there is in the NCAA, it's just, you know, people are going to want to see who's going to get knocked off first. And I think that's going to increase come next year because of the more balance of, of teams that are out there. Um, right now, I don't have any of my teams that I picked in the Final Four, so, um, but Right now, to be honest, I'm I'm really rooting for um, Loyola Chicago. I would love to see them in the national championship game. Despite maybe some people that says that they wanted to see the powerhouse teams, I, for one, would like to see this team make it all the way. And I would love to see what they do um, as far as the rest of the tournament is concerned. But overall, I thought that the tournament is 
pretty much exciting because now I'm glued to see what happens next, and I'm looking forward to the final two games. I mean, the final three games, the final four in the national championship. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm right there with y'all. It's been pretty exciting. I mean, I only got one really horse in the race, and that's really Villanova playing in a national championship game. And right now, they just have to beat, uh, I guess they're playing Kansas um, in the Final Four, if I remember correctly. So, I guess, but I didn't think I was going to be there. I mean, it's been a lot of upsets, a lot of surprises, but I think this goes back to the uh, a lot more parity um on on in the men's basketball as opposed to the women's where I mean no shock or surprise you kind of women huskies no shock and surprise they'll probably win again so I won't even really pay attention to it. However, I want to see Loyal um Chicago um uh, really just make everybody piss off and get right to the national championship game, which I would love to see. But um who knows? But Everyone is saying, oh, they want to see the old, you know, Blue Bloods and everybody else. And throw some more teams in the mix, man. You know, it's sometimes you get tired of seeing the same teams. You get tired of seeing Kentucky. You get tired of seeing, you know, North Carolina, Villanova now, you know, uh, Duke, um, Kansas, Michigan. I can go on and on about all the teams you see. Sometimes it's nice to see some other teams get into the mix. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, they won't like it. But, I mean... You got three out of uh, out of the four as your quote unquote blue blood teams with Villanova, uh, Kansas, and Michigan. And can you really call Villanova really a quote unquote blue blood because they weren't that good <laughs> a couple of years ago? They just got good over the last span of probably like five years. So, um, but to me, it's, it's exciting. I mean, you know, is new teams in there is making March Madness was supposed to be March Madness, not a, a boring snooze. Well, I agree. Uh, this might be possibly the last time. No, no, I take that back. Maybe next year might be the last time you might see some of the the magic and the upsets that you're seeing in college basketball if uh, Adam Silver goes ahead and changes the rules of how players are either going to be drafted straight out of high school or if they're going to be required to stay a couple of years. If they're required to stay a couple of years, then you're not going to see these types of things anymore because uh, you'll have some teams will have the opportunity to see some of these younger, talented players actually stick around and cause their college teams to be that much better instead of all, you know, the, the one-and-dones, et cetera. But I think it's been a great tournament, uh, though I haven't, Sat there and watched games extensively over the past couple of weeks. Has been exciting to see uh, the Loyola Chicago's and uh, all these other upstart teams, uh, high quality mid major teams out there. Uh, they're storing some major, uh, major type of uh, obstacles in the Blue Bloods' way. So it was cool. It was fun. It was great. Uh, shout out to UNBC. Uh, they just they just went ahead and extended their coach's contract for an additional year. Heard he was flirting with Middle Tennessee State there for a little while, so it's nice to see that these uh, mid-major squads are trying to pony up some money to keep their coaches around and keep their teams relevant moving forward in the tournament. So 
Only for a certain amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, schools like that are stepping stones. You know, guys want to build their careers. So, I mean, you need schools like that. So, unfortunately, that's that. It's very rare that you have coaches like to say the one at Gonzaga and a few other schools that coaches just want, they just love it there, just want to be there. So, it's, it's uh, very rare in sport nowadays. But it's been, a, it's been an exciting tournament uh, coming down to it, I believe. I would love to see Loyola Chicago win it all, but I just have to say that Villanova just looks really, really, really strong. Um, what they did to Duke—that was an epic game, by the way. Uh, that was a great game. Definitely. Um, how they played and handled West Virginia. Uh, what they did all throughout the tournament—I mean, they just been really consistent. They just really out there, just banging it. Anybody, everybody from one to five on the court for them can pretty much hit open threes. If you leave them open, it's hacked, so it's hard to defend them with all the spacing. So I, I have to say, unfortunately, uh, the Big East is probably going to run away with the national championship this year, but I would love to see Loyola Chicago. Yeah, and I, I also agree with what you were saying, Earl, about, you know, the difference. And we talked about this before. Um, matter of fact, we talked about this last year. Um, when against, like, for example, the men and the, against the women, you know, when South Carolina upset at UConn, um, that I think it was last year at the, um, the tournament, you know, that was pretty much the talk of the week. Um, because, you know, no one expected UConn, the women's team to lose. And it's funny because seeing them play South Carolina again was kind of like, you know, kind of felt as though that that was a revenge game um, in the tournament. But everybody knows what the outcome is going to be at the women's tournament, which kind of makes it. Oh, so wasn't that? No. Was it South Carolina? No, it was Mississippi State that. that uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. But did South Carolina, Mississippi, wait, did Mississippi State win the tournament? No, Mississippi oh. State won South Carolina. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I got the two. Okay, okay. All right, so. But um, the thing I'm saying is, is that because Car- the UConn women right now is is not that it's not going to get as popular as it should be because of that, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody wants to go to UConn, and you know it's it's so much different now because the boys from the men's side of things, everybody's looking into it. Like you would never really see a, a tournament. Uh, bracket tournament, you know, where people are playing for the women's side, but you know they'll do it for the men's side because it's so unpredictable. So, yeah, I mean, even like you said, Ace, uh, the Villanova is very strong. I mean, even if you look at their roster, I mean, of classes, I mean, they only have like a, like a few freshmen, and I don't think those freshmen even make up their starting five. I mean, the makeup of their class is like you know juniors and seniors and, and sophomores. So you definitely have guys with experience. You have guys that were here last time they won. So you have a lot of experience on this team. So it's it should be a shock that they're at where they're at right now and beating a lot of these teams that may not have had as much experience deep into the playoffs, these pressure games. So um, it's a testament to, you know, Villanova. And, of course, right now Philadelphia is all, you know, in a tizzy because they're thinking that Villanova is going to win, um, which – they have a pretty darn good shot, <laughs> but um, no, I think it's it's, it's parity. I mean, right now you're kind of getting down to, I guess your quote unquote marquee teams. I think if you know Madison Avenue had their way, it'll be Villanova, uh, 
against Michigan. No, actually, I think they wouldn't mind having Villanova against Loyola Maryland in a close game with Villanova eking out the win. I don't – you haven't heard much talk about Michigan on the other end, so. Whoa. Why? I, I don't know because that's a very – you know, that's a pretty good squad. Michigan, Michigan is uh, getting plenty of love from the radio stations out here down here um, because they're they're really complimenting and you know giving props to Beeline about the type of players that he's recruiting. Now, what you said about Villanova, you got to give props to Jay Wright. Yes, going out there getting players who are committed to staying three and four years and not going after those one and dunners. So I think Villanova's dominance is going to continue because he had the opportunity to have Brunson and I forget the other cat's name stick around, be there from the first championship now leading it to their uh to this next final four. And then having to, you know, having using those guys and their tutelage to the younger players. Man, that one cat, their center, is a freshman. That dude is a beast. I mean, I forget. He's the one who did, because uh, the only Villanova game I watched, of course, was against West Virginia. So <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I can only talk about what I saw. But, uh, for example, when they came down and I forgot who took the three and off the, off the, off the rebound, he came and dunked over one of West Virginia's back. And I guess it was that that kind of changed the momentum and then, uh, Villanova just went ahead and just pulled away, but that team is loaded. That team is going to be nice for quite some time. Unless some of those players that he can't, that are freshmen now and who's coming in after this freshman class decide that they want to leave early, I don't see there, there being any fall off with Villanova. Uh, so, it's, it's going to be, Villanova's dominance is going to be there for a while. And to be honest, like you said, Earl, that's going to be, down the road, that's going to get to a point where, you know, they're going to be to the point where it's going to be a true powerhouse. And I don't know if that's going to be such a good thing, but I will say that it is some, it is good to see players that are returning and not being one and done and yeah. actually sticking for a couple of years. Um, it's rare because with so many people, so many kids leaving, um, already declaring their eligibility for the NFL, the NBA draft right now. It's it's kind of amazing that Villanova can keep their players and still go back to where they are. And hopefully that – I mean, to be honest, that might start a domino effect again where kids may stay a little bit longer to, to you know, to increase, I guess, their chances of being in the NBA or doing whatever it is for the next couple of years to be – to have that school to be a little bit more dominant in, in basketball, men's basketball. It would be nice to see, but I don't. These kids don't have any loyalty as far as college goes at the moment. They just have loyalty to their own self, to their brand. I mean, you look at the kid uh, who's going to your your favorite squad, Ace Duke, um, Zion Williams. Um, he's already the high school phenom. I mean, if he didn't have to go to the NCAA, I think he'd go right right to the pros. And trust me, while he's in playing for Duke, all they're gonna be talking about is. What is going to be his draft prospects? I can see it already. So I mean, it's I'm, a it's a possibility though. Uh, what if Adam Silver decides prior to him starting his freshman year at Duke 
that he will allow high school players to jump right to the pros. He might pursue the scholarship and go straight to the pros. I can't see that happening. I can't not not it it would have already happened. Yeah. Yeah. It would have definitely gave the kids a definite opportunity for them to decommit and go straight to the NBA if they wanted to do or hire an agent. Um, I don't. I think right now at this point it's a little bit too late for that. Yeah, I, if something were to happen, you know, it's last thought. It, I, I think you start probably hear more of the talk after the finals. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Hold up. Did you guys pick who you believe is going to win the tournament on uh, Monday? And the score? Well, my tournament winner was, was uh, uh, UVA, and they lost. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks ago. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the person who they're supposed to beat is still there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I had Gonzaga, so you know what I, I don't know what, based on the Final Four now. Okay. Uh, who do you think is playing Monday and a projected score? I will probably say... Villanova against Michigan. Um, I think the Cinderella run ends ends for them in the Final Four. Um, I'll probably say Villanova over Michigan, uh, 87-83. I'm going to I'm going to be different and go. Um, I'm I'm to be honest. I'm gonna go different. I'm. I'm not going to pick Villanova. I'm going to pick Kansas. I'm going to pick Kansas um, over – as much as I want Michigan, I'm just going to be different. I'm going to pick Kansas over Loyola, Chicago, um, with the score of 75 to 73. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be – I think Leola is going to shock Michigan. And Villanova, I think, is going to handle Kansas. But I'm still going to pick Villanova. And I think the Cinderella run for Leola will end. And I think it's going to end rudely uh, with it being a kind of a snooze fest <laughs> for the championship. And I'm going to say, like, 82-64 Villanova. Well, I'll put money on um, UConn beating whoever they play in the uh, national championship. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they're going to play. They'll probably win. And I, the, the question is, were they going to be win by 10 or are they going to win by 30? I'll probably take the middle and give them 17. That, 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 that it's not even, like you said, Earl, it's not the matter of who they play against. It's by how much they're going to win. Uh, you know, it's funny. I read an article where the coach from St. Francis, I guess, who the UConn kind of beat up like 100-something to 50-something in the first round of the tournament, where people was like saying it's outraged that UConn beat the team that bad. And the coach from St. Francis was like, why are people hating? He's like, we're aspiring to be like UConn. It's great that we could have gone on, uh, had an opportunity to play them, and they beat us. But meanwhile, every team is striving to be that great. So I guess they're saying that UConn being that powerhouse is kind of great for the sport. Um, but I guess they're no different than when Tennessee had that really nice run on the past summit and, and uh, Stanford was really nice there for a while. 
I just I, – I, But there's I, a difference. There's a difference. When Tennessee had that run, there were more competitive teams that was playing against Tennessee. Like um, UConn. <laughs> like UConn. Um, like, I can remember those days when it was – like, Tennessee was having, like, against UConn, Baylor, for example. They was – it was a lot more competition. Even Rutgers, um, with um Vivian Stringer, um, in their squad, they had more competition with Tennessee. Um, so I thought that that run was a little bit more competitive, like than what this is. This is more of it is what it is type thing, where it's not as competitive. So you don't get the many people watching these type of tournaments. Like, when the women's tournament had those many teams being competitive, you had people watching because you knew that they was going to get they get to see a good game. You were rarely – I don't think anybody would go to a UConn game knowing the fact that they're going to get a competitive game against their opponents. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and, and not to dwell on this, I'll just make my last statement, and this could probably be a whole other topic for, for another <laughs> talk show, but I only see – the triggering of Yukon's rather recent dominance, like real dominance of the last couple of years, akin to when the unfortunate, you know, Pat Summit passed away and Tennessee kind of had a, a very long dip as far as getting top recruits. I mean, now you had other people going to South Carolina, you had Duke, you had Stanford, but when Pat Summit was there, she was able to out recruit a lot of times Gino. And you always had UConn and you always had Tennessee. And then you had some other people, like you said, Rutgers and Baylor and Duke and Stanford. But Tennessee always had the competition of, of um, Kentucky. But now when Pat Summit died and they fell off, it's like there appears to be no competition. It's like, it's like the Patriots having the first top five picks every year in the draft. But the thing about it is, well, you know, it, UConn women tend to get the top players every year, but in the same sense, they can only give three or four scholars a year, and they t- they typically have their players stay four or five years, depending if they registered. So it's not like they're getting all of the talent, but I guess they're getting the the creme of the creme. I guess I I, I don't know. I, I mean. All right, I'll say this: they're, they're getting the first, the first round draft pick <laughs> every year. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just don't. Get, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, definitely. But it's just, it's just weird that you kind of can't get everybody. But it just seems as though they get the absolute best because you kind of diff- is, is everybody's first choice. Like right. you gotta. I mean, like if I'm a, if I'm an athlete. I know for a fact that if I'm going to get the best of who I can be, I'm going to go to the best school possible. And if UConn is is the best, I want to learn from the best. So that's what these athletes seem to tend to, like, say. You know, it doesn't matter from an athlete's perspective, you know, it really doesn't matter as long as that they're playing but the f- fact of the matter is, if they're trying to go into the NBA, and that's just like with men's too, if they're trying to make it into the NBA, I'm going to make sure I'm available to, to play and not only play, learn from the best. I agree with you. I agree. And like Earl said, man, this, this could definitely be a topic for another, uh, yeah. another show. 
especially after once UConn wins the uh, national championship come Tuesday. Touche. Touche. Ah, but moving right along, let's step into this NFL realm really quickly. And let's discuss uh, a certain wide receiver by the name of OBJ, or Odell Beckham Jr. with the New York Giants. And his, I guess, his uh, very interesting video that was posted with him with a young lady. And the Giants coming out saying some things like, hey, they don't know if they can put up with his shenanigans any longer. And they're not going to be discussing any sorts of uh, contracts uh, with him. And then, of course, OBJ coming back saying that if I don't get a contract, I ain't playing. So now it sparked up all of these different situations where the Giants might be possibly trying to trade OBJ or is it a, is it a ruse just to kind of make OBJ sweat? Um, I'm going I'm to start with the resident Giants, uh, uh, Giants guy in the room. Uh, where is he taking all this? Uh, do you believe that the Giants would be, would have the cojones to sit there and trade away OBJ? The, or is it just a ploy just to kind of shut him up and scare him a little bit? And I think it's a lot of overreacting. I mean, I think he made his comments based on John Mara saying that he was tired of answering the Odell Beckham questions and yada, yada, yada. He said what he said. He never said he was going to trade him. He said he was just tired of answering, you know, the questions. OBJ came back and said that he wouldn't play or may not play unless you know unless he you know gets the contract and he know he wants his contract. So I think there's a lot of back and forth. I think there's a lot of overreaction. I think at the end of the day, I think the Giants will extend them. I think if they were probably going to do it before the season starts, uh, which would be preferable, so they can have that distraction not be a part of the you know a part of the next season. I mean, do I think the Giants are going to trade them? I mean. Like I said before in one of our group chats, I mean, you always pick up the phone and listen. Um, however, at the end of the day, do I think they're going to trade them? No. I think that um, I think they'll work it out. I think this is all negotiation. This happens all the time with the Giants. This one is just really getting out in the open. Um, but I think they're just kind of negotiating in, in the media, which the Giants don't like to do. Um, but I think they'll go back and talk and – because they want him as a giant. I think at the end of the day, he wants to be a giant for his brand. He wants to be in the Big Apple and in, in, in the marketing mecca. So I think everybody wants everybody wants to be where, they, where they're at. It's just negotiating the, the dollar amounts of what's going to be. And the giant's probably going to have a contract that's going to cover them on the back end just in case he has, you know, a few more meltdowns. But I think his overreaction, you know, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, to be honest, I don't know. Um, I, it would be interesting to see what offers is out there for old Odell Beckham, um, and whether or not he, because right now OBJ is basically he wants a place where he can win. That's really what the bottom line is. Um, he wants to play for a team and a team to make it to the playoffs. Um, he's just looking to win. I don't think he's that type of person that likes to continue losing. So I guess the question is for him and for the Giants is, you know, are they in a position where they're going to continue or be able to win with what they have? And, you know, the whole thing with the antics outside of the football doesn't stop for him being a great player that he is, and he is a good player. 
Now the question is, is he really worth the value of, of the, all the an, outside antics to keep? And I think the Giants are really looking at all their options right now. And I agree, Earl. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think they'll figure it out. Um, I don't think that commercial with him and, um, Eli would be ruined for nothing because if they get traded. So, on the Doritos commercial. So I really believe that they're going to kiss and make up and get back to that dirty dancing routine that they had at the commercial. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I know we're getting close to where we need to start, uh, stop, but I, I just wanted to uh, throw a few situations at you guys. Uh, uh, earlier this morning, Bleacher Report came out with some possible destinations as far as trade uh, situations, and I know we had three that I brought up. Uh, one was with the Browns. Um, no, actually, was it with the Browns? Yeah, it was one with the Browns. Let me, uh, that was some, some fun conversations. Uh, let's see. So, we'll start with L.A., um, the Rams will get Beckham. Giants will receive the number 23, 23rd overall pick, a third round pick in 2019, and wide receiver Cooper Cup. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Me personally, if I'm if I'm LA, I would do it in a heartbeat. But if you're the Giants, Mr. Ross? Nope. <laughs> All right. And why is that? Look at it. Odell Beckham was a six-round pick in the draft. You want to trade a, a six-round, one of the top three receivers for A, your 20-something pick in the draft, and B, a wide receiver who's not even as good as him, maybe not even good as your other receiver, but um, not enough. Okay. Then another one was uh, the Jaguars. They get the Beckham. It would give you the 29th overall pick. A third round pick in 2019, but then you get defensive end Dante Fowler, Dante Fowler Jr. Now, mind you, you just traded away possibly, arguably, your best pass rusher and uh, and uh, you know cripple hand. JPB. So yeah, one JPB. So now you're getting back just as probably not as dominant, but a dominant D lineman. I don't know. It depends on a if he fits into the scheme, but I don't still don't think they would deal deal him to the Jags. And to be honest, I don't know why the Jags would do that um, at this point at this stage. Um, I would keep what I have from the Jags. And then last but not least, I know there were a couple other ones, but this was the one that really sparked some some great debate earlier this morning uh, when we talked about the Browns. Now, the Browns want to give the number four overall pick, number four, just the fourth pick, for Beckham and a third-round pick of the Giants in 2018. Now, I was curious. I said the Browns want to trade their their first round and their third round. No, 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 no. Just their fourth, just their number four pick. And – the Browns received Beckham and your third round pick. <laughs> no. The Giants don't have to give up anything. 
True. Because he's still under contract. Agreed. Agreed. So then I proposed, okay, I thought that was a bit much that the Giants had to give up. And then I proposed possibly Josh Gordon being thrown on top of um, the fourth-round pick. You know, but Josh Gordon, though he can't seem to stop playing around with the weed, but he's been pretty quiet. You know, he's hasn't been gotten into trouble probably the past six or nine months or so. Um, maybe a year. But when he was, when he played that full season, he was one of the top three wide receivers in the league, I believe it was in 2013. And he really hasn't played much, so it's not like he has a lot of wear and tear on his body. And he's only still 27 years old. And he's 6'3", 215, to Odell Beckham's 5'11", 205, I believe. Speed-wise, you're not losing much speed, but you're getting a bigger body, a more physical wide receiver, somebody who's willing, that's able, like Odell, to give you between 13 to 1,600 yards receiving per year. Why is that not an attractive package? considering you're only giving up a third-round pick in Beckham where you're getting the fourth overall pick knowing whatever you guys would decide that you want to get. So you would still get your number two, so you can still get Saquon Barkley. You still can go ahead and get a number four pick. And you got Josh Gordon? You don't think that's a fair trade-off. <laughs> now, mind you, you can make this trade today Beckham can get hit by a bus and can't walk no more. You still get all that you got. It's this Beckham can't play no more. The Browns are out. <laughs> you want to answer now? I'm not. It's, it's well, a first, question. first things first, I, I have to say this. That first trade that the Cleveland first for the fourth round pick for Beckham and the, the third round pick, that's pretty Yeah, awesome. so they get the fourth pick and they give up Beckham in the third. That's a pretty gutsy move for the Browns. I'm sorry. Like, that's like saying, that's like saying, I'll give you the first round. It's a, it's a gutsy move. I, I could, I'll because, tell you. And because the Giants are still getting the second, they might have the second and the fourth pick. Listen, 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 listen. I'm, I mean, I'm not a Giants fan, but as a Browns fan, I mean, if I was a Browns fan, I would say that is a pretty gutsy move. And, and Earl put it, I mean, he said it perfectly when he laughed at it because that's basically what what Giants fans would do. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to say anything. I'll let Earl answer that. I'm, Earl, you take that. You take that. <laughs> All right, look. You know, it, it sounds good until you keep up bringing up the receiver, Josh Gordon. Nobody wants him. He had one full season three years ago and admitted in the interview that he was high in games. The Giants are not – when was the last time he played a full season? Like 2013, 2014. Okay. And in 2000 – we go into 2018. He has to play the full season in three – no. Now, if you – they toss in Jarvis Landry. No. Then you pick the interest. But then why? It's they're, they're one of the same. They pretty much act like the same man, the same type of receiver. I think if they were to give up the fourth round pick and Jarvis Landry, you might get some consideration. But the fourth round pick and Josh Gordon, no. Because I have no idea whether or not he's going to play a full season with me. And over the past two seasons, he has not proved anything. So 
I'm not going to go with an unknown commodity. The last thing I saw was in 2013 to give away my star receiver, which I know what kind of person he is. Okay. Okay. Um, like I said, you, Josh is no one's no one's taking Josh Gordon. There's a reason. There's a reason why the Browns won't release him. Because nobody gonna want him. <laughs> no, no, no. The teams want him, but that's the reason why they won't release him. Teams actually tried to trade for him last year. The Browns rejected all trades. Shocking. <laughs> no, no, no. That's and and that's typical Browns right there. That is typical Browns. Like they could have probably gotten better value with some of the trade proposals that's out there for him, but. They didn't. They didn't do that. They didn't listen. They rejected all offers. Like, I mean, if they believe that they can use him to get a star like Odell Beckham Jr., teams don't. What team? I'm puzzled by Browns management sometimes. The stuff they're doing. I think they're doing a good off season, but for them not to listen to offers for Josh Norman, that's uh, that's laughable. Well. When you think of a receiving core right now, if Gordon is your number one, Landry is your number two. And I well, actually, will Gordon be your number one? I'm thinking Landry be your number one. Yes. To me, Landry is more of a possession receiver. At least that's the way he was used in Miami. It, Gordon, it, Gordon's a dude that you go over the top with. And who's that quarterback going to be this year? Tyrod. He ain't a bad quarterback, man. No, I'm not. That's. Well, first things first. They still gotta. They still gotta. They still gotta get a handle on that O line. That's. I mean, that's not even. Like they're they're making improvements, but they still need work. Yes, and we can dissect what the Browns can be doing and the Giants can be doing because I'm sure about it. Before before this uh, this actual draft takes place, uh, I, in my opinion, in my gut. And my gut's fairly big. I think. <laughs> I think OBJ is gone. But I could be wrong. That's just my gut. I think that the Giants are quelling all of this stuff to try to quiet it all down. But I think he's gone personally. But I know um, we can talk about this forever because it's the, it's the NFL and it's drama and it's all year round. Even though we're not playing, we're debating Josh Gordon and stats from 2013. I mean, you just can't be. But really quickly, really quickly, sir, sirs, Thursday, America's pastime, and I'm not talking about football. MLB is opening up 2018 season. I'm happy to hear the, the leather, popping of the leather, the swinging of the bat. Happy to have baseball back. Love baseball. And uh, I just wanted to shout that out. Go Yankees. You know. And it's, That's uh, our lineup. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to the 2018 season. Um, we can definitely touch base more on that uh, as we get a couple weeks into the season. You know, the, the first couple weeks is just you know getting the kinks out and everything. But uh, come come mid-April, beginning of May, we can start really digesting into baseball. But just wanted to give a quick shout and say welcome to baseball back. And uh, looking forward to the 2018 season. But, gentlemen, I think we've hit the end of our time for today. It's been great. Uh, like I said, we can discuss this NFL draft situation all day. The top five picks are going to be very interesting. And I think what we should do in uh, before the draft is kind of give our 
take on what we believe the first top ten picks will be in the draft uh, coming forward. So, you know, we can do some research and say who we think, where, what players are going where. So maybe that's something to think about moving forward. But with that being said, where can folks reach you to, you know, possibly drop any questions or concerns that they may have concerning tonight's episode? Nah, you can hit me up on the gram and Twitter, J-E-R-O-S-S-7, at. And you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter, I am Al Qualls. Again, I am Al Qualls. And you can find the big gut guy on Twitter, CatDaddy1963, CatDaddy1963. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And also, um, I do not know the gentleman's name off the top of my head, and I do apologize. But there was a GB player who passed away after collapsing on the court. Um, I should know his name, uh, but I don't. But I'd like to send my condolences out to, to his family. Uh, may he rest in peace. And hoping that we can get some closure as to what caused this situation and uh, bring some closure to his family as they're grieving during this difficult time. Zeke Upshaw. Zeke Upshaw, the Upshaw family. Uh, prayers. Uh, going too soon. Definitely. Definitely. God bless. Prayers go up to Upshaw family. Hello, MLB. Good one. That. We, bid a, we bid a farewell. Till next week, this is Guys Talking Sports.